Welcome to the Long Thread Podcast about spinning, stitching, and weaving by hand. The podcast is presented by Long Thread Media, publishers of Spinoff, Handwoven, Piecework, and Little Looms magazines. Find us online at longthreadmedia.com. This episode is sponsored by handweaving.net, the comprehensive weaving website with more than 75,000 historic and modern weaving drafts, documents, and powerful digital tools that put creativity in your hands. Now it's simple to design, color, update, and save your drafts. Handweaving.net's mission is to preserve the rich heritage of handweaving and pass it down to you. Visit handweaving.net and sign up for a subscription today. This episode is sponsored by Trainway Silks. You'll find the largest variety of silk spinning fibers, silk yarn, and silk threads and ribbons at trainwaysilks.com. Choose from a rainbow of hand-dyed colors. Love natural? Their array of wild silk and silk blends provide choices beyond white. Trainway Silks, where superior quality and customer service are guaranteed. I'm your host, Longthread Media co-founder, Anne Merrow. Avani Varya has devoted her career to preserving and reviving traditional crafts of India. Her major efforts include teaching charka spinning and creating economic opportunities for artisans. So Avani, thank you for joining me. Welcome. Thank you for having me uh, here. Now, I first heard about your work with your charka book. Can you tell me how to pronounce that? Chalo Charka? Uh, it is uh, Chalo Charko Ramie. It is a Gujarati term. I, I am from Gujarat. So when we initiated the project, the name is Chalo Charko Ramie. It means let's play with the tool, Charka. Because when we talk about Charka, it becomes too heavy a subject in India. And it's associated with Mahatma Gandhi. And people think it's too serious a business. So we wanted to make it fun for people of all age groups and all background to accept it. So it's called Chalo Charko Ramie. And that makes a lot of sense because I've seen you teaching small children how to spin. And I know that your mom has helped teach spinners as well. So there's sort of a a, a playful spirit in it. Yes, there are times when a lot of people come to our public uh, events and Sometimes children, small children, parents come with the idea that they will learn the charka and children doesn't want to really learn. They just want to observe and experience the movement and how the wheels are connected and how the spindle is moving. So there are young children, like very, very small children, like four, five, five years, seven years, 10 years age. They just want to just move the wheel and they just want to play. And I think that's where we see the spirit of playing with Charka comes in because once they are led to do that for the first session, they make sure that they come back and slowly they become the spinners. (laughs) That's wonderful. What kind of events are you doing? Are these just demonstrations or do you have classes? Uh, So initially when we started, uh, the idea was to organize uh, once in a month a public event where uh, we have charka, we have people, if they know, they can come and teach and people who know they can come and spin and people who don't know, they come and experience the first-hand experience. So that's where we started. And uh, within a few months of the program started, we actually got various uh, queries and there were queries about learning formally, there were queries about getting yarn, there were queries about people who have already learned spinning in their childhood sometimes, um, they wanted to come and practice. So over a period of years now we have uh, demonstrations, uh, then we have first-hand experience for public who would just walk in. Then we have formal trainings and um, we have various kind of combination events now. And yes, uh, the the latest one after COVID is online teaching, which was very new for us. So that is also added to the part of our projects and events. When you're teaching in person, where is that? When I'm teaching in person, I'm based in Ahmedabad in the state of Gujarat in India. And uh, we started teaching from Ahmedabad. So we started with uh, the first uh, Satyagraha Ashram in Ahmedabad, which is uh, also known as Kochrab Ashram. And uh, slowly we started teaching in various public places, in schools, in colleges, in 
demonstrations started happening in various events uh, before the events start uh, people would invite us so people when when people are walking in the event like some half an hour to settle in before the event starts so those kind of places so i started with amdabad and then started getting invitation from across india to various places like schools colleges gurukuls craft events sometimes uh, even uh, birthday parties these days in children's birthday parties so uh, i started in amdabad and i have been now going to different places in india as well as also uh, now after 9 years completion of the project we have many students or disciples i would say about charka we call them charka sainiks so we have many soldiers sainiks uh who are spinning and they would be in different parts of india and if i cannot go i definitely connect with them so now we are teaching uh, everywhere across india and we have a ch- plan of traveling across across the globe with charka i would love to have a charka birthday party <laughs> i think that would be the most fun yes i think that's what the latest um, happening with us uh, because a lot of parents want the children to experience and uh, as part of birthday parties uh, we are invited initially i was before i started charka i was invited for various craft activities but now charka has become very centric for people to invite me f- for birthday parties and various other events for demonstrating and first hand experience. Now, I love this playful spirit at the same time your your book uh, about charka spinning has some quite serious aspects to it. It's it's a technical book, is that yes. right? Yes. Uh so how it came about was when I came way close to charka and I saw a few people in Ahmedabad especially at the ashram who were spinning. and and then i i was connected with us communities across india so uh, when i started getting the thought of how the yarn is made and why weavers are not using hand spun yarn and all those questions that's where i i think i got connected uh, and i i got very uh, questioning myself that why not people are have taken up this craft to revive and i started learning and when i started learning there were one or two people who were like very happy to demonstrate what they are doing because they were spinning but the challenge was there was no formal teacher uh, uh, in in gujarat uh, i i have come across and um, so i started learning and i also started browsing different literature where i can find somebody who is formally teaching um, step wise how to teach uh, uh, a box charka which is called a peti retio in gujarati and also a travel charka box charka is basically a foldable charka which is um, you can close it and take it like a suitcase wherever you travel so that's where the challenge came where i could not find any material technical material to understand the parts and the names of the parts and the the mathematics behind uh, the speed and other things so i was presented by a very old thin small book which was part of the curriculum of uh, one of the institutions uh, started by gandhi ji in india and specifically in amdavad which is called gujarat vidyapeeth it's it's a university it it's from the kindergarten college to the college to phd level institution and they had uh spinning as part of their uh daily curriculum and mandatory for everyone to spin at the institution and the person who gifted me give given me a very fragile old book very small and very cute book and he said like this is something which you will help you to understand the parts and technicalities and i think that was very very helpful and uh that's where i realized that this book should be redone and i think i requested to the institution few times and uh, when it didn't happen uh, of reprinting of that book i i thought of writing in myself so being a gujarati i wrote a book in gujarati and when i was writing i i went through a lot of literature related to freedom fight related to gandhi because that is where i could find maximum material in bits and pieces what he thought about spinning or what people around him who were uh, spinning daily thought about it so then i thought of adding three chapter three or four chapters to uh, the book uh, so the technical book was already rewritten or 
polished a little bit and um, I, I identified the terms in Gujarati about uh, the charka and the parts and uh, that's where I came across understanding that there was a very significant way of looking at charka in India in different ways. So one was definitely the freedom movement and Mahatma Gandhi's perspective and people who were spinning daily and various reasons at that point of time. Uh, second aspect I came across is charka and um, in overall the vastravidya, what they call vastravidya means the, the education or knowledge about making a fabric. So from the, the latest term is farm to fabric, but in India we call it vastravidya and that was very much part of Indian education system. That's what I came to know and that was a time when I... I, I learned that my mother and my maternal uncle also learned uh, spinning in school as part of their curriculum from standard one, I think, from the first standard. And so I started digging into the material, but I couldn't find much. But yes, I spoke to a lot of people who are 60 plus in Ahmedabad or in India who had learned spinning. And then I spoke to a few Gandhians, few uh, educationalists, and I I wrote that chapter about my reflection on how spinning was and maybe should be put in, in Indian education back now. And one of the aspects is understanding the term khadi because believe it or not, khadi is a very fashionable term in India today, especially after uh, our current uh, prime minister promoting it widely. And it is a very, very positive aspect for the economy of Khadi and uh, my experience meeting people and who asked me about Khadi was um, according to them something which is sold in a Khadi bhandar or a Khadi shop is Khadi but actually um, the understanding of how Khadi is made or what is Khadi was not very clear or mostly a lot of people didn't knew what is Khadi so whatever is sold in a Khadi shop is Khadi which is not the correct way of understanding. So I had to write a small chapter about explaining what is Khadi and how it is made and then only you can call it Khadi. And uh, one of the aspect um, is uh, derived from my personal experience and uh, experiences of people whom I have met who are spinning and how they benefited um, for their mental health uh, and health overall after spinning so education and spinning health and spinning khadi and the fourth uh, term was swavalamban it's left self-sufficiency and one of the term is vastra swavalamban which i have come across while reading this uh, books where you spin the thread enough around the year for your own purpose for your own clothing for your for the textiles which you want in your daily use like curtains and bed sheets and floor covers and something of that sort so i i have tried to cover all a little bit in my book and i've been researching my research is ongoing about hand spinning in indian indian perspective and one aspect um, which i have found very interesting is uh, the religious and spiritual aspect of hand spinning in India, which I am still researching. But so, yes, the book is um, uh, mostly technical parts of charka um, and when you're spinning, how to count the thread, how to open the charka, how to close the charka and how to sit that will make spinning easy and it will not damage your body. How to make the hank wind the yarn. And also when you are facing certain problems like your thread is breaking, then what are the aspects you should retrospect while you're spinning? It can be different things. It can be the, the cotton is not clean. It can be uh, that the spindle is uh, wonky or broken. It can be that uh, your spindle is not moving in an appropriate way. Various things. So those technical aspects are covered in the book. And after writing the book in Gujarati, I thought that it would be limiting to the Gujarati audience, Gujarati speaking audience. So I translated it in Hindi, in Hindi and uh, English with help of uh, experts of those subjects. 
So now the book is uh, practically technical uh, understanding of box charka or petty ratio and these four aspects uh, in a little brief understanding. For spinners who are familiar with the, the Gandhi quote that if everyone spun every day, there would be no more war. But there's a big difference between if everyone spun every day and how many people are currently spinning. Do you find that very many people are, are currently spinning on a charka? To my surprise, uh, I would not say very many, but in terms of the way the skill is vanishing from Indian society, I think many. Because when I started, I thought nobody spins. Then um, I came across two, three educational institutions in India where they are teaching spinning uh, to children. And uh, it's part of their daily curriculum or weekly ritual. Also, there are a lot of people who are like Gandhians who believed in Charkha and the mission through which Gandhi tried to connect the Indian community and also try to give dignity to labor. And uh, also how the entire movement about Swadeshi or Vastra Swavalamban was focused. So those kind of people are still spinning. So I come across a lot of old aged people who are still spinning and they don't know what to do with the yarn because weavers are not ready to spin. And there was a system in India uh, by Khadi and village industries, uh, very formal that you give the hank and based on the weight of the yarn, you would be given the fabric against it. Uh, like a barter and you pay a little bit for the labor of weaving which is totally gone now so through the program Chalo Charkhoramie and the Yarn Makers Guild of India I'm trying to revive that system because a lot of people are still spinning and there is a, another segment of people I would like to add here who have learned like me maybe with our project or maybe they have uh, after looking at our social media, they have tried to connect with local spinners. There are some people in India who I have come across, I'm very happy to connect with them, that they are somebody who is retired or who is a school professor, a college professor or a school teacher who have picked up this skill somewhere in their life and they are in their own way teaching spinning very informally, but they are promoting in their own region in India. So th these are the different kind of people who are spinning and I would say they are in hundreds now, not in thousands, but at least in hundreds whom I know. Another segment of spinners whom I'm coming across through my research and through my travel across India is the people who have been traditionally spinning, like the camel herders or the sheep and the goat rarers or the people who are in the regions where you find a lot of silk rearing uh, or uh, wool uh, merino wool or that kind of areas where you have the resource and very small segment of groups of people are active in spinning and they somehow are connected to some local NGOs and those NGOs are trying to revive hand spinning. So that is one segment and there is one segment of very young kids who have started learning from me and who I am meeting almost every week on the Sunday free session in Ahmedabad and they have started spinning on daily basis and it's a surprise to me. These are children of 5 years to 10 years age. So that young children who are like positively addicted to a tool where they come back from school and they're just telling their parents, we don't want to eat, we want to do spinning for an hour. <laughs> so those are the different segment of people who are, who I have come across who are spinning in India. And I think that number is slowly and organically growing now. Uh, for example, one of the example I would like to give is, uh, there is a Hare Krishna movement, the religious movement happening in India and spinning uh, for the sacred thread, what they wear is one of the movements which has started because there are a few of my students, I would say, and I call them Charka Sainiks now. So they are spinning with the spindle and they are teaching spindle to the Hare Krishna disciples. And similarly, there are some indi individuals who have 
started learning from me or who have learned from me they are spinning for their own sacred thread and they are trying to develop that side of uh spinning so various segments i would say so so which feels very positive to me that i was under impression before few years that oh my god how do this happen and i have kept the entire project very organic and we try and see wherever there is an opening or there is an opportunity to instill spinning in people's life and i think it's growing beyond my imagination just backing up to the word kadi you know i i've heard of it as being hand spun hand woven fabric but I was surprised at, at the sort of fashion and interest in it among all kinds of people who are just, you know, buyers of clothing and textiles. Can you say a little bit about what Kadi means beyond just the basic definition? Okay, so here I would like to like basically break this into few smaller segments. In the term, when you, when you Google uh, or when you see the dictionary about the term Kadi, it's very clearly mm-hmm. mentioned that it's hand spun hand woven cotton textile and i think it mm-hmm. can also be the natural fibers like silk and wool and blend of natural fibers so everybody these days understands what is hand loom but the term hand spun is quite mistook by many uh, people who are not technically aware about textile making and it's it's a sad situation a lot of youth is not understanding what is hand spun so that is one one aspect which we are working on uh, so when we talk about khadi as a textile it means very many different things to be different people a lot of people think something sold with a tag khadi means khadi some people think that some fabric which is sold in a khadi shop is khadi and these days um it's kind of a high fashion in term in across the globe where every designer or a high end brand is trying to or maybe small time uh, creative people are also looking at this textile to be kind of highlighted or marketed to the people who are concerned about nature concerned about environment and climate change concerned about dyeing skills hand skills so there are different dimensions why people are accepting it based on their own perspective and understanding about khadi and i think more people are kind of appreciating and trying to buy khadi uh, for their own utility in whatever way they can afford because khadi if it is hand spun and hand woven it's a super slow organic process and it has to be a little expensive than the normal fabric which you buy either handloom fabric or any other machine made so first thing when we talk about khadi we don't compare it with anything beyond hand spun and hand woven not even just to hand woven because the making of the yarn is more important here and then the weaving or knitting or crochet or felting when government has promoted this and made it a little mandatory to the government employees i think uh, there is a trying trying to understand khadi as a as a textile uh, movement in india and every year in last few years i would say 5 to 7 years there is a consistent growth in selling of khadi and uh, there are people who really get into understanding the process knowing where the yarn is coming where the fiber is coming so that is a different segment of people who believe in revival who believe in sustaining local skills who believe in using natural resources who believe and who wants to support the local for vocal movement by the government and also the fashion industry so called there is a term called uh, farm to fabric or farm to fashion so that is again something which is creating a lot of buzz and i think there's a lot of buzz across the youth these days because of the social media awareness by the hashtags local for vocal atmanirbhar in that case and in india atmanirbhar means self sustaining be it self sustaining as a textile or be self sustaining in terms of making your own uh, fabric uh, yarn or supporting local artisans or 
supporting overall Indian economy by buying local Indian products. So Khadi falls into that category of product now in India. And uh, across the globe, we have been seeing a lot of people who have the understanding or who is believing in supporting local skills across the globe are contacting Indian makers or Indian non-profits who are working or Indian brands who are working with Indian crafts to make khadi. So there are different dimensions to khadi as a fabric. And yes, there is a lot of um, information and correct information sharing required when we use the term khadi because when I am on social media and I sometimes get time to see the hashtag khadi uh, and I see a lot of anything and everything tagged as khadi, which is something which we individuals have to be responsible to understand first and then promote. It does remind me a little bit of there was a big craze for pashmina. They were they were very popular, and then suddenly you'd see them on the sidewalks in New York, and there would be a tag that would say "100 percent pashmina," and it was not. Yes. <laughs> and it became the word started to mean for those folks. It started to mean a soft shawl instead of a particular kind of pretty precious fiber. Yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely um, uh, understand what where you're coming from because. Working with textiles and handmade products for last 25, 30 years now, when I look back, uh, I feel very sad when I see this because this is where the economy drives everywhere, not just in India, everywhere where I've seen. When I was in London, I've seen uh, uh, the machine-made stoles looks with a look of paisley and some little sheen are sold as pashminas. And the same thing is happening in India also. So it's not that everybody in India understands the terms pashmina. Uh, so it's kind of very high fashion. Uh, it looks very high fashion when we talk about khadi, when we talk about pashmina, when we talk about hand woven, and when we talk about supporting local. But uh, I would say it's in an individual's um, responsibility anywhere in India or outside to first understand it properly and know that you have understood correctly and then promote it. Uh, because recently I've been in communication with few people from abroad who, who have been following us for years and now they are wanting to support us to create a, a ecosystem where we can train the spinners and we can... Uh, try to do the production because production was never a focus for us as as Chanochar Khuramye. It was more of promotion and uh, delivering the skills to other people, teaching them, facilitating them to create ecosystems where khadi is being taught and made. Uh, but I think we are very positive that we will soon get into organic production uh, because when people ask me, look at the look at our videos and our promotions, they get excited and then they suddenly say, oh, we want 500 meters tomorrow. And I said, this is not going to be happening. <laughs> and I'm very upfront about it because even uh, why we are not getting into production is this is not about Excel sheets. This is not about creating your graphs, about giving work to people. It's about sustaining a skill to the existing generations of four or five generations, whoever we are working with different levels and give them enough confidence and dignity and maybe monetary benefit to hand it over to the other generation, coming generation, the younger generation. And for us, or for me, I would say when I started, I was like very ambitious. Okay, I'm going to revive Khadi and revive, not Khadi, but revive hand spinning in India. And over a period of three, four months when I started, I realized this is not something I would see in my lifetime, but I want to do enough in my lifetime that this skill is sustained and positively shared by older people or younger generation to the children to sustain it to coming generations because that is only the way you sustain anything. You cannot sit and buy khadi and sustain. You need to learn. You need to... Uh, share the knowledge in whatever capacity. And then 
you need to see that the coming generation is learning it. It's not about YouTube videos. It's about hands-on activity. So that's where I think I realized, and now I call it a three, two, three generation project because it's going to go beyond me. So for me, I think my ambition now, understanding the ground level realities and the slowness of the project and also the organic growth and acceptance by overall Indian community or people supporting from abroad. I see that even if I can have one person like me in one state in India, this project is to survive and grow in next two generations. So you didn't come to this as a spinner who was passionate about continuing the craft. You came to this through a different perspective. Is that right? Yeah, I think for me, um, I came to uh, spinning with one very clear idea. Uh, I'm a person who likes to take up challenges which nobody wants to pick up. That's that's where I am always. So be it the pottery, uh, which a lot of nonprofits are doing, but revival to the next generation and keeping the aesthetics and the visual identity of the diverse Indian potter community is not being taken care of. So that is where I, I focus on. And the second skill is the traditional bead craft of Saurashtra, which is very, very distinct. So you will see the, the small, uh, we call it kidiya moti, so the ant size of, small size of beads. So you will see beadwork across the world and you will see beadwork across India, but different communities have different ways of making it. Motives, colors are very important for us to revive and not just make it a skill, but aesthetically continue this heritage of that community-based or or region-based skill. And that's where I come across um, spinning and... uh, it, this was just when I, I, this is a very strange story where I got a box charka in my hand for the first time, sometimes in 2009, uh, 2008 or nine when I was in Kutch. So a very dear friend of mine, then uh, we were working together in the same organization and she was heading the weavers section in the organization and I was working as a design consultant. So... When she was shifting her house, I think I was helping her and then she handed this box to me and she says, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I am sure you will do something with this sometime. Believe me, I had never opened that charkha then. Uh, that box charkha, I got it and I ne- I can never say no to people. I just can never say no to people. And so I took it and I kept it. And somehow when I came back from Kutch, shifted to Ahmedabad, I got it. It was lying in my cupboard and I think there was a destiny for me to do this. But I had forgot. And then I went to London. I studied my arts and heritage management there. I came back. And this was the time where I used to go a lot to the Satyagraha Ashram in Kocharab in Ahmedabad, which is 10-15 minutes from my house. So I would regularly go and do certain activities in this in the local region in Kochra village and I would often go to ashram and I would meet uh, Ramesh Pai Trivedi who was a caretaker then a very passionate person who has given me a lot of knowledge about Gandhian understanding and Charkha and that's where I saw the in his office always it was open so he used to tell that he would spin when he would get time and he he demonstrated and that's where I think I picked it up and I said this is a Gandhian activity and this is a Gandhi ashram. So why can't the ashram start it up? And this was the time between 2009, I think a lot of uh, movement uh, about uh, sustaining handlooms in India and the, a lot a very prominent personalities from India working in craft sector were, were, were motivating local weavers to come back again. There was a time, I'm not very technically sure about it, but there was a time in India where the government was thinking of blending all the textile industry into one sector rather than keeping the handlooms and the machine-made textiles apart. So this was the time when there was 
I could see at that point of time I was very Facebook fan fan so I used to see a lot of petitions signed and I also signed one and uh, so this was a time when there was a lot of handloom handloom revival movement happening and when I came back I said people are talking about handloom why nobody is talking about handmade yarn so that's where I started my research uh, very informal research about what are these we were using as yarn as a basic material and to my shock a lot of chinese made yarns were imported still they are imported so i'm not against any country but i am very pro using local why can't india make their own yarn what is the challenge if we are using it it would be utilized so why can't people make yarn in india whether it is machine made or hand spun but that's where the whole um we call it kida matlab there was a warm ringling in my mind why are we not using handspun and that i i think it was a coincident about the handloom movement my coming back to india going too much to the ashram and that's where i told that let's start something once in a month because i had a little taster of spinning and i found it very therapeutic initially it was a breakthrough for me because i at that point of time i was a very very impatient person and i was very calculative if i start today i have to learn tomorrow i have to do this you know how we think in terms of numbers and days and hours so and then i said i want to learn let my friends come together so there was a lot of people who told me you are crazy to even start something with charkha who will come a lot of discouragement a lot of uh, critical uh, feedback said who is going to come to your charkha who is interested into this why are you doing it and i had no answer and i was very positive i am going and i know one or two people who are going and i know ashram is supporting me and i know gujarat vidyapeet who was who is managing the ashram they are supporting me that's where the whole thing started so i think for me it was more about a skill a dying skill of handmade yarn making in india and because it was started from an ashram gandhi's ashram uh, automatically when you talk about charkha people talk about khadi and they think i'm a gandhian uh, but i'm not a gandhian <laughs> Uh, i'm i'm still trying to understand what is gandhi and i'm still trying to understand what gandhi used to think when he used to promote charkha or endorse charkha or he utilized charkha so for me that is a still a process in going but yes so that is where i i picked up the skill and then it was never a look back never a look back and i would say a lot of people individuals organizations are supporting in many various ways to the program. That kind of ties in with another project you've been working on, which is the Hand Spinners Guild of India. Can you tell me about that? So the Chalo Charko Ramye is mostly about uh, promoting and teaching skill of hand spun yarn making. And over a period of time, um, when I came across a lot of people who are still spinning in their own different capacities who have started learning spinning now the question is what do we do with the yarn because you know how a human mind works is like if i'm doing this what am i getting out of it so what you are getting out of spinning charkha is very very intangible um, it is something uh, which is balancing your own self in various ways mental health a lot of peace of mind like meditation but yes there is a tangible product as yarn so what to do so people when they come to learn they are more interested into what to do with the yarn than enjoying the process <laughs> so i i think initially i was very hesitant to even think about it but then i had to seriously think about it that if i am creating the whole generation of people or hand holding people to continue spinning then there has to be something to be done of the yarn and that's where i realized that there is no formal organization or association of uh, hand spinners in india and uh, meanwhile i i have been um, contacted by many international guilds who are into spinning weaving in fact when i did my masters in london i did my final thesis on handloom 
uh, weavers of London City, which was kind of a shock to my supervisor. And, and she was like, are you crazy? You will even not find any hand weavers in London City because London City is an expensive place. You can't afford this kind of uh, lavish hobbies here. And uh, to my surprise, I, I found 31 plus hand weavers in London City and I had a kind of a wonderful time interviewing some of them for my thesis. So when I when I see all these people who are spinning and definitely that a lot of people are spinning almost daily and they have local resource and they are looking at selling this. There are some NGOs lately who have been working to revive hand spinning. So kind of community building in their own regions in India, silk, silk thread makers or sheep wool thread makers or those kind of smaller communities in remote villages who have no access to internet, who might not even have access to telephones, that regions. So then I came across a lot of such small pockets where people are spinning. And I would say that uh, one of the experience I have selling the khadi which I made, not selling as in terms of marketing, marketing, but I would say that, okay, this fabric is done and anybody wants to buy it. I use it, I gift it. And the challenge was, why is this expensive? So I said like spinning is a super slow process and you want to pay people, like if you are hiring somebody for 10 hours a day or eight hours a day, you pay, pay them some minimum wages. So similarly, we need to respect spinning. And um, I have come across a lot of spinners who would randomly price their product. Like if I go, they would say, 1,000 rupees a kilo. If somebody else go, they would say 5,000 a kilo. And then somebody was there, 500 a kilo. So they have no standards. So when I saw this imbalance of um, pricing, imbalance of understanding how much yarn they are making in a month, because if I'm spinning daily, I should know that at least I'm spinning 100 grams or 500 grams in a day, how much I can produce. So the economy of, or the production of khadi making then I had to initiate a sample where I came across these challenges. And I can see clearly that a lot of spinners are still there. And there is a very good example, the Amul Cooperative, which is cooperative of uh, the milkmans of India. So it's the biggest and the most successful commercial business of milk and milk product in India. So I thought that if it, it can happen with milk, it can happen with yarn. And it can happen with any commodity. And this is something I can relate to because the people who have cows and goats and camels and buffaloes are into small villages. These days they have technology in their hand with mobile, but some of the spinners don't have. So I am trying to relate these two things. And uh, I thought that there should be a formal association of people like me who are spinning in various ways. And uh, they are trying to promote spinning in their own region. So how do we handhold? So that's where the Yarn Makers Guild India came into existence. It's very recent when I started, but a lot of people have started registering who are spinners. So there are two segments of it. One is people who are spinning who are from India. So I call them in spinners of India. And there is a segment of people who want to connect with them, who are passionate about them, who want to use the yarn, who want to somehow support this whole system. So two membership segments we have uh, started. And uh, so the first thing is to focus on how to have more and more yarn makers on board, facilitate them, have regular meetings with them. So that is started. And there are different people have come across very passionate. So they need some kind of facilitation and handholding. And in the whole process, how do we standardize the pricing? How do we try to endorse local? Because there are a lot of people who would say, send us cotton from Gujarat and we will spin in Bangladesh, which I think it's not very uh, eco-friendly and neither it, it will sustain because any which way process of making yarn is very slow. So we want to pay the fair wages to the spinners. So we would like to avoid the transportation costs and also make very clear that if you are in some region and you ha have local resources, natural fibers, let's focus on that. 
So all those things are happening with Yarn Makers Guild in India. We are very in a very nascent stage, but I think it's shaping very nicely. So over a period of few years, we are looking at creating uh, yarn makers uh, market, organizing events where they can come and spin, they can teach, they can sell the products, they can connect with the buyers directly. Because for us, we are very clear, we don't want to become one of the middleman or the middle organization who would be, again, getting into the, adding to the price of it. We would rather become facilitating and we might, uh, we we have not yet decided on the pricing structure of our facilitation, but initially for a year, we are facilitating for free and we will see how it goes. So for me, Yarn Makers Guild India is supporting the yarn makers, uh, standardizing the pricing, standardizing for them to understand their production capacity, to calculate that, to help them buy appropriate and nice tools, which are hand for hand spinning, for carding, for plying, and also connect the buyer directly to the yarn maker or the people who are even wanting to buy the smallest of the quantity to, to help get into the production association with the spinner. So all these aspects we are we are planning to keep as part of Yarn Maker Skill India, and that is our vision. Do you see the, the customer of Yarn Maker's Guild, the, the purchaser, as also being a company in India, or could those be folks who are looking for yarn around the world? We are, we, we are looking at global market who would want to buy yarn, and who want to associate a long-term relation with a yarn maker because that is more sustainable. The only cost we are adding is the international transportation of the final good. I would personally not want somebody to send some fiber from Australia to India and spin it. I would rather say being in wherever you are, support a local spinner, be it an Indian spinner or be it spinners from across the globe. So vocal for local is very very core of our product, uh, our process, and our uh, organization. Uh, But then there are people who are into high-end fashion and they would want to do whatever they want to if they can afford to. So when you say support a spinner, are you talking about one individual? I'm I'm talking about local community. So it can be one individual, it can be five people in the same region or the same village or nearby village. And that's where the ecosystem works very well. Uh, working with crafts and arts, I have understood that there are always like five, ten people in one locality who would be doing it. And, and one person earning better would encourage more people to learn the skill. And the positive side is the spinning is not a very difficult skill. It's It just needs a lot of passion and persistence for a person to sit in one place. Sitting in one place for five minutes, it's very difficult for these days with people with a lot of distraction of mobiles and internet and social media. So that is what I'm looking at. If you are an individual, you can connect directly with an individual. If you are a small organization, connect with small group of people. If you are a big organization, you can work with spinners across India. It depends on what is the capacity of the person who wants to procure or produce uh, yarn. I'm seeing a lot of interest in Charka. And how would people learn more about it? I know that they can buy your book, but what are other ways that people can kind of become part of this revival? So we have been offering trainings in person and online. Uh, Online, we started after COVID. And I initially, it was a question mark for me that how successful a hand skill can be taught online. But I think it's easy. Um, For spinning with takli, we just take five hours. uh, And uh, with spinning with box charka or bardoli charka, which is the big wheel, uh, we take around 30 hours. So that has started since COVID. And I have taught a lot of international people who have learned a different age group and different backgrounds. So there are journalists, there are uh, teacher, there are mothers, there are ch- mother and children as a group learning spinning. So I think Takli spinning online has been a great hit for us because it's short term. Uh, the tools can be transported from here uh, in a uh, in a small kit. We have a Takli kit which we give it 
if you have your own tools we are ready to teach you with that also and uh, yeah so along with the book teaching online and in person uh, even now the covid thing is like subsiding and people have started coming to india so we if we are um, informed well enough if we can plan well enough we can organize different uh, group or individual teaching also because part of keeping a revival going is not only teaching but teaching teachers too yes i think that's very important because uh, there are a lot of people who learn and who are very happy to teach but teaching is again a skill how to teach and uh, it took for me and uh, to take few sessions to come up to that structure that if you teach this first and that later and if you do it like this it it is it's easier for anybody for example when i teach i focus first on making of yarn without breaking so even if you're making lumpy thread um, thick and thin thread or whatever kind of thread even thick thread just focus on keeping it making without breaking and then then the second thing is to come to the consistency of thread you think what you want to what kind of thread you want and you focus on that so not breaking then consistency and the third thing i take up is speed because speed is something what people look for first these days and i take it last so i think that has come uh, with a lot of uh, personal experience and teaching experience i've been a teacher of other skills other than spinning so uh that's where i could break these things up and i think te- training the teachers is one of the aspects so when somebody has never done spinning we teach them first spinning and then we give them few months for doing their regular daily practice they have to be re- regular they have to uh, give us a whole data of how many hours they spun what is their progress and then once we feel that they are ready for being a teacher tra- t- teacher now so then we also teach them how to train and training the teachers how to support people who have learned and who can generate income also by teaching spinning because that is a very big segment and teaching is a very respectful job and you need dedicated teachers to kind of revive hand spinning creating ecosystems in different places in india where they are self they become self sufficient over period of few years to teach spinning get equipped get the place get connected with the, to the local communities and we are happy to share all our experiences what we have done in amdabad in gujarat and now how we are connecting with different places so another something else i notice on your site is that you have a charitable trust how does that work together with your with your spinning projects So charitable trust is uh, founded sometimes in 2002 2003 formally but I've been working as a social entrepreneur since 1996 97 when I started learning design so there was always a a need for me to be helpful in in different ways to people where at my capacity when we started the trust it was more of uh, a friend's idea that what you are doing is going to grow and i thought i don't want to get into all this legality but <laughs> we did it and i'm i'm happy that he insisted that part of time and uh, we have a charitable trust which initially was funded only by our families and friends so my parents my siblings me and one or two other friends were chipping money to do projects so we were not thinking about sustaining it as an organization but uh, since 2012 we have done many projects like museums of amdavad media for artisan we have uh, heritage film festival we have the pottery research and promotion going on we have uh, the beadwork uh, documentation so the charity is majorly first focusing on identifying a skill and researching the existing situation of that craft comparing it with the changes Uh, what had happened traditionally and then give a model which can sustain now keeping the aesthetics and the local diversity uh, intact uh, so that is the major focus so with charka project our very clear idea is that anything which is for promotion will be supported by the charity so be it online promotion be it our social media promotion be it our uh, free sessions are being supported totally by the charity and for first 5 years we had done every each and everything free 
so that was supported by the charity and oh, after five years now we realize that after, by teaching we can generate some income to sustain by selling the products like book and charka and uh, takli and other thing other fibers we can create a self-sustaining model so we are now we're working on it but all the promotional activities and uh, public free sessions are being supported by the charity that's really exciting it sounds like this is just something that uh, is in all parts of your life whether it's your personal life or your working <laughs> life or your family I think for me uh, my life is my life I cannot divide it that this is personal these are friends this is these are my colleagues or this is my work and this is what i do at home i think i'm i'm breathing my life uh, around handmade things and uh, coming from a traditional potter's family i think it was inbuilt so even today if you look at my stay place it's never a home it's it's like a studio come stay everywhere and i i keep traveling a lot because of my project so um, a lot of time i have been referred as a nomad and uh, like a nomad you have your house and your work and everything together well and isn't it nice that you can uh, that a box turka fits so well in that yes very much very much so the the box turkas are meant for that and i think it were designed by gandhi ji uh, when he was in uh, yaravada jail uh with the support of his friends and colleagues and people technical people then uh because that time uh in india everybody used to spin and they had that huge wheel wala charka so um i think there might be a thought that everybody is spinning everybody is on the move uh places are houses might be small or workspaces might be. so how to create a tool which is faster than the badoli charka and it is compact enough to pack it and take it i think that's a blessing and i think the most sophisticated uh, hand spinning tool i can i have come across in india um yeah so i think that fits very much into my life so when i pack my bags today i always have a takli kit and a box charka with me <laughs> Well, that is wonderful. And isn't it nice also that your book is just about the right size to just pack along with that? Yeah, it can pack, in fact be packed inside the charka. Oh, really? <laughs> it's so small. <laughs> it's so small. It's like a eight size and mm-hmm. it's like very few pages. Mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of international interest, national level interest in India also where people want to procure charka. So if you're buying a charka accompanied with a book would be a good thing and i think comparatively the pricing is also very generously be done by the 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 publishers it's only 150 rupees indian rupees mm-hmm. which is not a big deal for anybody even in india it's very cheap that is very accessible <laughs> yeah, yeah so we are, we are more looking for promoting partners uh, for the book and the tools across the globe because mm-hmm. um Uh, there are many people who have started learning and who wants us to send the books and uh, the ch- so sending one book or one charkha to transportation becomes 10 times or 15 times so that's where we are looking for collaborations from people individuals or organizations to handhold us and be with us in this whole moments so because this is when i started it is about india yes hand spinning revival of hand spinning in india but I think everybody internationally is now getting sensitive about uh, living a slow life, organic, natural. So this, this, in fact, there are some people who have learned online are the people of similar thoughts. Um, I one person I have taught was in somewhere in Russia, which was very very surprising for me. Somebody from Russia, she learned and she's now. identifying the local fibers and doing something there somebody is from some island in america so i think it's an international project uh, but whatever internationally we are paid is going to the support of the local uh, project here i just love that we can all be part of this in one way or another whether it's for your own well-being or as part of this larger community Yeah I think everybody is being part of and for me um 99.99% people have always encouraged supported promoted and participated 
Mm-hmm. So it's very encouraging. I would like to take this platform to say thank you to everybody who have supported this project and who still believe in the project. And one of them is you, of course, your organization who is uh, interviewing me for the project. Well, it's just a pleasure to work with you and it's been a pleasure to get to know you better. So thank you so much for your time, Ivani. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for having me and uh, thank you for promoting uh, the projects. Thanks to Trainway Silks and Handweaving.net for sponsoring this episode. Thank you for listening to the Long Thread Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate the show and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again. Thanks again.